Welcome to the Feminist Coach Academy podcast, where inclusive feminism, business, and coaching meet. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the co-founders of the Feminist Coach Academy, Naomi Arnold and Cameron Aaron. We are feminist life and biz coaches, both passionate about helping coaches, therapists, helping professionals, practitioners, and entrepreneurs integrate a feminist lens and perspective into their businesses, life, and client practice. On this podcast, we plan to help you do so. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Cam here, and I have a super exciting episode today with one of our members, Ray Dodd. Hey, Ray. Hello. (laughs) Ray is a money coach and mentor. Yeah. Do you mind... um, introducing yourself or saying yeah I always say and actually I think I this is one of my clients who I think has done your program as well Joe Casey she was the first one to describe me as this so I always describe myself as not your average money coach because I talk about so my work I'm a money coach and mentor like you say and I talk about more than just the standard like money blocks and kind of I feel like a lot of money coaching lays the blame up our feet as if it's just you know why can't you just, it's very much pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of mentality with a lot of stuff. And so I, my work is really looking at things in a societal context as and the way that impacts us and our stories and all of that stuff. So yeah, that's kind of how I approach things, which I don't see. I do see some people doing it that way, which is great. We need more people doing it that way, but I don't see that many people approaching money in that, in that way. So Yeah, I don't either. And that's why I'm super excited here in our training and to have you on the podcast because money is a big topic. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so, so many of us, we want to make money, but then we want to do it in an ethical way and in integrity. And, you know, Mm -hmm. how do we do that? And, and then, so yeah, I, I want to get into one of the, one of the most common things that I see in Mm. the coaching world and the business world in general. But that's been, as you have pointed out on Instagram, it's really more like what women get told, right? What it if people who are are not men, right? Um get cis men really um get told is around like charging what you're worth. And Mm. I know you talk about this, which is like, Mm -hmm. you can't charge what you're worth. And I want to get into this and why that is. But I also like you made a great point that like cis, white, middle, upper class men are not asking themselves this. (laughs) 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 Maybe they should. Maybe they should. I don't know. But like, <laughs> and maybe be the rest of, of us shouldn't. But <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, there'd be a lot of poorer, cis white middle class men <laughs> if they were asking themselves that. Yeah. 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 yeah they're not asking it. <laughs> no, they're not asking it and they're just doing it, right? They're just charging. Mm. They don't need to ask themselves what charging, you know, they don't need to say to themselves, I need to charge what I'm worth. 
And I mm. think that's because of how of oppression and how we're socialized, because they are the more privileged you are, the more I think you get this message that you're worthy. Although, of course, you can have parents and, you know, that yeah. kind of upbringing that yeah. says otherwise. Yeah. But in terms of on a societal level, the more oppressed you are, the more you get the message you're not worthy. Yes. So on one hand, it does make sense why women and non-binary folks like myself mm-hmm. get this messaging of like, charge what you're worth, charge what mm-hmm. you work. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's also kind of replicates oppression, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, oh gosh, in so many ways. And I do think it's something you can come at. Like I have issues with the term from so many angles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could come at it from like, as you were think, talking, I was like, and it could be that, and it could be that, and it could be that. Like there's so many ways. But yeah, I do think, I think it replicates oppression for a number of reasons. I think one of them you touched on, and that is that it does, if you were like, so for example, for me, I'm a white middle-class woman. I don't like cis woman. While I'm not in the standard size body, I'm also not in a body where anyone's yelling at me in the street or anything like that. Like I'm in that kind of invisible part of like women's bodies. And so for me to like draw on confidence, and I was also raised in a family that really filled me with confidence, for me to find confidence and to find my worth is not as hard as for somebody who has experienced emotional trauma in their life, physical trauma, and then and they might then be in a similar body to me. And so their outside world isn't as oppressive as someone else. So I don't want to get into oppression Olympic stuff, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And and so there's this kind of like this idea that we just, oh, I just need to charge my worth. Oh, so we've then got to access our worth. Our worth is being, we're being told we're worth different amounts depending on how we were brought up and how the world sees us. And so it becomes this kind of like, I sort of describe it in my work, and I'm sure this is an imperfect term, but it's emotional privilege. I also feel like when we say charge your worth, that gives privilege to people who can access their worth more easily. Mm. And so we end up saying like, oh, so if you can't access your confidence as easily as me, you don't get to charge as much as me. And um, we really don't want to replicate that kind of system. No, we don't. In any way. (laughs) And it really feeds into this thing that is a much wider um, situation where we find ourselves as women, as non-binary people, as people who've been excluded. I often talk about as people who've been traditionally excluded from making money, where we find ourselves accidentally often, but it's no less harmful just because it's accidental, recreating oppressive systems. And for me, charge your worth is a recreation of an oppressive system. Yeah, without, it's, it's done with good intentions of often it's just like you know love yourself charge some money yeah but it really you don't have to love yourself it's it, like to charge money well right and I want to separate our worth from money and yeah our loving ourselves from money right because exactly we, yeah yeah yes. I think we get we get too wrapped up in that and then that's why we're uncomfortable selling and asking yeah. for the sale and, oh, totally. Right? Yeah. I mean, because and, if we put our worth and our love wrapped around that, then it's going to be harder. Yeah. And it's, it kind of, there's a coach called Sass Petherick in the UK who I love. And she talks about the difference between personal, personal issues in your business and business issues. And when we make money a personal issue, it's about how much I love myself is about how much I can charge, which when you say it like that, it starts to be like, wait, what? Wait, yeah. 
then, then wouldn't you, you charge like, well, I mean, if you really love yourself, wouldn't you charge like millions of dollars and who can afford that? I mean, that's, it's well, just, this, it's just it not possible. Work. It's not <laughs> realistic. <laughs> and also like, you're like, what are we putting a price? Well, that's what I now? mean. Right. Exactly. That was just an example, but no, you can't <laughs> put a price on your purse. Look, it's you're, you're like, and I often I mean, say we this have to my, separate them out. It just doesn't. It, it just doesn't, doesn't work. <laughs> I, I often say in my my trainings and stuff, I'll talk about this in like workshops and things, and and people get really emotional because I'll be like, "You're absolutely priceless. What do you mean, charge your worth?" Right. And obviously, that sounds almost quite trite to say to people like, "You're priceless," right. but. Like, I think people in that moment realize the way that capitalism has like, it's for me, it's all linked to the capitalist, like the way that capitalism has co-opted self-care and all of those things, particularly for women, particularly like folk, like the advertising being targeted at women and and non-binary folk as well. And it's just that kind of like, just just stop it. (laughs) I know, I know. I just get so like, just no, because like we said right at the beginning, or like you said right at the beginning, we're not doing this for, like, this is not messaging that's being levied at cis white men, middle-class men. It's not yeah. something they're not having to consider it in any way. They just get to go on and be like, huh, either, what do I want to charge? What do I right. feel like this is worth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do it and they their feelings are not so, and their right. worth exactly. is not right. so involved. Yeah. Exactly. They They don't have their money the emotions wrapped up as much in there and the other I mean I would say like I would love more of that for my you know people like myself yeah and I don't totally want to be like these white dudes because they're also not taught to think of what's ethical and integrity so it's like okay do I want to be quote unquote equal to them? Are they my yeah. role models? No, not really. No. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. So I talk a lot in my work about um, what Kate Mann talks about human givers versus human beings mm. and in the book Down Girl. And then it's mentioned in the book, a book called Burnout as well. Burnout particularly. I just want to recommend that book because it really absolutely cool. changed my life. I just finished um, Down Girl, by the way. Did you? So that, that's how I found out about Down Girl was from that book. And um they talk about human givers versus human beings, but I can't remember which book it's in, if it's in Burnout or um, Kate Mann's book, but she says like, it's the, I don't want people to become like the human beings, by the way, the men in the situation, the cis white men who are just allowed to take and the human givers right. are the people that are always giving, giving, giving. And this idea that, you know, you always have to, your worth is transactional. Like, yeah, yeah. If my worth is high, I get to charge high. If my worth is low, I don't get to. So it's like this transactional weirdness around it. I, it's she says in there that the idea is not that we become human beings in the way she's describing it. That the idea is that we actually find a new way of being because we want to find a uh, new space where we both give yeah. and we receive. Yeah, it's not one or the. There's not one or the other role that you get to take. Oh, I um, and that. I think that, yeah, it's, I can't remember which of the two books it's in because they they talk yeah. about similar stuff. But I think it's such a good point that we have to recreate these things. However, we also can learn some good lessons yeah, absolutely. in terms of, exactly. you know, the, detaching our worth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then learning yeah. the oppressive messages that we get, which is yeah. charging what your worth is part of that, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And it sounds so good on paper. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. You see it and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, 
but <laughs> yeah. yeah, but actually hmm, doesn't actually pair up. Yeah. And so like, I do think we, you know, it's useful to unlearn a lot of these messages. And what I really don't like seeing is among coaches is this like money blocks, money blocks, money blocks, just get rid of all your money blocks. And yeah. then you can charge and make money. And it's like, do you really have to remove all the money blocks to make money? Like, and yeah, like, what's your take on that? <laughs> oh, so first of all, whenever someone says to me, I've done all my money work, it's uh-huh. like an instant red flag. <laughs> I'm like, have you? Really? Okay. Are you making the money Isn't you want to make? Like no. lifelong because we're constantly <laughs> in capitalism. Like, right. So we yeah. live in, and I describe it as, plenty versus scarcity I don't love the word abundance and so the word I use is plenty Mm -hmm. and we live in a world where it's my belief that all oppressive systems are built on this idea that there is not enough for Mm -hmm. everybody Mm -hmm. and so the powerful have to to hold yes exactly and you need to like protect your bit and you need to like not like we can't have space for everyone I think capitalism is built on it patriarchy is built on it white supremacy is absolutely built on it so all of them, like all of them. So I really think that, what was the question? Remind me of the oh, question. Money blocks. Do you have to remove yes. all your money blocks? <laughs> yeah. So no, you don't have to remove all your money blocks because you, you exist in a world of scarcity. That's the mm. way the world is. Mm. And unless you are some kind of superhero when it comes to your brain and your feelings and your nervous system and everything else, you are, that is going to seep into how you feel and how you interact with things there is stuff like i i don't really believe in money blocks as a yeah, concept I don't really either yeah i think there are societal stories and there are family stories and there are personal stories and they all very much intermingle we can often i, I kind of believe in obstacles and we kind of can dissolve those sometimes and sometimes we can't sometimes right, they're right. there yeah. And we we can navigate them and we might wait, work out a way around them. It might take us time. But this idea that you just got to identify your money blocks. I mean, it sells well, right? It's easier. Yeah. It's but actually, possible. I think you've got to deconstruct a load of oppressive systems, <laughs> exactly. which is less, <laughs> less easy. But I'm also really right. grappling with this. But does the, the other way work? Because like I've, I've done various things in the past to remove my so-called mm. money blocks but none of it worked. I think it depends on your privilege. Yeah. So I think it can. If your block is that you won't let your rich dad help you out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 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 Well, okay. Well, like one thing I did, one thing I did many years ago was like, no, I do not have a rich dad to call that. That didn't happen. But it was like, their whole thing was like, okay, to get rid of your money blocks, do some tapping and stuff. Mm. I think tapping might be able to work for certain things in therapy and a certain context, maybe yeah. with trauma and stuff. But the way that they were presenting it, it was like, okay, I'll just do all this tapping. But like, it didn't take away my thoughts about it. Didn't it? Didn't help? Mm. It didn't bring money to me. It, it, you yeah. know, like it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. And I think especially for people who want to be like they are interested in equity and inclusion and justice and in dismantling those systems, it is sticky work. Yeah. There is decolonizing to be done of our brains and our experiences and our business practices. 
And so the idea that you're going to tap and then you're going to find yourself in a space that feels comfortable for you, that holds up your values, it's not going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that tapping can be great. In my experience of tapping, what it's really good for is bringing up stuff from your like, but I think because you're busying one part of your brain, subconscious thoughts can come up. Yeah, and, you, and, and that's so in, useful. Yeah, the physical, doing something physical to yeah. help with trauma or, or yeah. But I think a lot of it is experimenting, trying new ways of doing things. And and we have to be, re- and I, it's kind of like, I don't use this word lightly at all. There's a lot of bravery in that, especially yeah. when it comes to money. I would say like, often there's this feeling that people who have a kind of justice focus they are and like the left wing the liberal people that we have been kind of I think brainwashed into believing that money's not important because then if the um, other people have more money they've got more power right right and so we're like oh I don't need to do with money but I actually think if you are that that way focused it is more important you sort out your money stuff Mm -hmm. because you're going to have to be brave you're going to have to try stuff in ways that you're being told it won't work Mm. That you're being told this is the only way to make the only way to make a sale is to pressure people. The only way to make a sale is to get them to make a decision on the call there and then get their credit card out, all of that kind of talk. And you're going to have to, in my opinion, be on the call and give them time and say, hey, I'm going to. Um, so you decide, get back to me because this is me doing my branding thing. But I believe there's plenty of time. There's plenty yes. of clients. Yes. And that's hard. It's that hard. takes detaching the worst stuff that we talked about it's it's there's a deeper work there in my opinion if you're ready to have a truly inclusive feminist and social justice led business and client practice then we invite you to join the feminist coach theory certification training that is now officially open for enrollment for our next intake. Go to feministcoachacademycourses.com to learn all the details and to enroll today. The link is also in our episode notes. If you're a helping professional or entrepreneur and this podcast resonates with you, then we would love to have you in our community. two things that come to mind, two words that come to my mind when you describe that. And when we talk about doing things in a different way and then learning capitalism too, is patience and trust. Mm. So you're mm-hmm. trusting your clients to make their own decisions about yeah. money instead of pressuring them yeah. and thinking, you know, better than them. Like, no, really yeah. you have the money. Like, why don't you just, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, and you know, whether they do or not is not really our business. Like just yeah. trusting that people are making the decision they and letting them have the autonomy. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And then the, the patience, I just think like, you know, capitalism tells us to make money now and to make yeah. a lot of money now. And that isn't like you could, maybe some people can, and they do, but yeah. like, that sort of the fast track that for me doesn't doesn't take doesn't work like it doesn't take my well-being into consideration and it doesn't allow me to have like sometimes going at a slower pace might be the thing to do and that might mean being more patient about more money coming in especially if you're first starting your business if you're first starting your business and you're expecting to make a lot of money i think eh. yeah and it can happen i made my first 
six but figures in my first year. You did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for many, I think that that's, that doesn't happen, but that they no. wrong and there isn't. No, exactly. And also it wasn't my second year I made slightly, well, it's confusing because of tax, but officially I made slightly less. And uh-huh. I think that was because I just didn't have the systems in place. And I've watched people, yeah. if you're going to, if you want to make, and I'm all for people having big lofty money goals. I, one of the experiments I'm kind of doing with myself is like how, and obviously ethics is very relative, but how, like, how much integrity can I have? How true can I stay to my own values and my own beliefs? And how much money can I make while I'm doing that? Because there's this whole thing. I don't believe, we, I personally don't believe we can be billionaires and treat people well. I don't think that's possible. But I do think you can make <laughs> a seven figures yeah. kind of that can happen. And so there's like that challenge with myself. But what I see a lot when businesses grow fast is that they don't have the systems in place. So either their mental health suffers or yeah, exactly. if you're going to make a lot of money, you're going to need a team. And so, because yeah. um, you just can't do it all yourself. And often what happens is the team suffers. The team gets treated badly. The team gets paid low amounts or they get overworked or they're signing dodgy contracts. They're having to do a load of stuff. Like that's a lot of what happens with that quick, fast growth. And uh-huh. so if we're going to do this stuff well, we have to give ourselves time yes. to treat yes. people as well as like charging like what we're charging and all of that stuff and the programs we're doing, we also have to think about how we're treating people on the way there. Like are our customers getting and our clients getting a good service? Are we delivering what we promised? Right. And again, and are, we treat, and are we paying our employees? Right. Fairly? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and are we treating their contribution fairly? Like the, yeah. the stuff they come up with is with coaching programs and stuff, their yeah. contributions fairly. So exactly. and that takes time and thought. Right. Exactly. It does take time and thought. Yeah. So it's, it's okay to go at a slower pace. It's okay yeah. to, yeah. And it's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. A lot of our, a lot of our members do, you know, in the training start to rethink like charging and what to charge. Mm. And some think like, Oh no, I need to do more pro bono work. Mm. because I need to be more inclusive and accessible, mm. but I don't think it's an either or like, I think it's like, it's okay to charge different price points, right? And that there's multiple ways of doing that. I mean, if you yeah. want to make money, that's okay. And we need yeah. to make money to survive. That's just the yeah. reality. Yeah. But I think it's totally okay to want to make seven figures yeah. while being ethical along the way, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think like you can still offer scholarships or do some pro bonos or whatever, but you know, should you only be doing that? I don't think so. I also really have a strong belief that you should get yourself into a situation where you actually can do that. Yeah. I see a lot of people trying to almost justify the fact that they're charging anything by offering sort of what they feel is the kinder way of doing things. And like by doing the pro bono stuff or low ticket or scholarships and stuff like that. But actually they are suffering because of that like they actually can't afford to do that yet and the quickest way to get yourself into a position where you can afford it is actually to charge quite a bit to the people that can to the people who can exactly and then when you get more of that you can offer more pro bono or scholarship spots or you know partial scholarships or whatever it is and you can even if like as your audience increases and you've got more people doing it yeah you can do sales or you can just lower the price of something right because that's where you've got to 
but we're creating unsustainable businesses with people who are struggling as in the people running it are struggling yeah in the name of this kind of I actually and I I know we feel like we're being kind but I think often it's a way of kind of diminishing ourselves and making ourselves yeah. smaller yeah. while we ask for the money like trying to make ourselves deserving of money and I hate yeah the whole idea yeah. of being deserving of money it doesn't exist right exactly right right that's an excellent point yeah and again like <laughs> separating deserve from money I also just don't like the word deserve I think really trying to unlearn that word in general yeah when does it really serve us well especially with money like people like clearly there's many rich people that don't deserve it but also if we start to get into the <laughs> realm of deserving what are we saying well, about right, people who exactly. don't have money well yeah are we saying they don't deserve it like it doesn't and, and it at just what point work. do you deserve it what yeah what, what are the param what are and the who, qualifications you who know? decide what well, exactly <laughs> so it's it's a very tricky word that i think yeah. But it, it, when we often use it, it's like we think we have to work for something for pleasure or for to get what, well, you often do have to work to get what you want. But like, I mean, like some people say like, oh, I've had, I've been working so hard lately, so I deserve a glass of wine or, yeah. or, or a chocolate cake or whatever. It's like, wait, what? No. Or rest. Like <laughs> or often rest. it's rest. Yeah, 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 <laughs> You're like, rest. No. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you need rest because you need you're a rest. human. You don't have yeah. to deserve it. Yeah. You don't get to the like nighttime and go, I deserve this. Well, sometimes we do. I deserve this sleep, but we just sleep because our body yeah. needs it. And, and rest is the same. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't like to reward myself because I feel like that, like when it comes to work, I feel like that centers work and it mm. centers capitalism. It centers me mm. productive to make capital. And instead I like to celebrate. Yeah. 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 So it's not yeah. like a reward. It's just like, Oh, I've, I've did, you know, done these things or I made this happen that I wanted to make happen. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we've got a wonderful members joining our program. Let's celebrate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually what my parents did with my exams. And it was such a good thing. Oh, so after, cool. our, yeah, after our exams, we would go straight afterwards, like the night we finished, we would go for a meal, which is a big deal because I didn't grow up with much money. So we'd go out for a meal, like, like a pizza place. And all my friends would get like gifts depending on their results. Whereas my parents were always like, we're really proud of you for doing it. And that's what, where you don't get anything yeah it doesn't matter if you get all a's yeah. if you get all d's there's we're not giving you presents because of what you did and it was a really like i'm not saying my parents were perfect at all two years of therapy but <laughs> <laughs> they were that was a really good example that they did that i mm. has really like worked well for me i think in terms of that emotional privilege i was talking about <laughs> earlier <laughs> i love that that your parents did that yeah yeah so i'm curious Oh, there's so much we could talk about, but we don't have the time. <laughs> I'm curious what this is kind of a it relates, but a little a little off the mm. money topic. But what was what was your first interest in feminism and social justice? Oh God, that is a good question. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I think it came I was always so my first interest in social justice was Everyone got, like, it depends how old you are, but when Encarta came out, do you remember Encarta on Microsoft? Was that just a UK thing? I don't know. Anyway, it was, a, it was an... That doesn't mean much to me, so... <laughs> <laughs> depends how old you are. 
So it well, went Microsoft first, like Microsoft 94 or 96, I can't remember, came yeah, out. I grew up in you, the 90s. I was born in Okay. 90s. Okay, yeah. so you so you got this I like remember Microsoft, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think they were a barely. Thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got this like CD-ROM, and it was a an whole encyclopedia. And I was just, and I've spoken to so many people who did the same thing. It's so funny. And I would go in and print off <laughs> rather than just read on the screen. I printed off everything on Martin Luther King and everything on Malcolm X, oh, and just wow. got obsessed. Even with being reading. in the UK. Yeah, I just was so interested in that kind of history. Yeah. And then I watched lots of the films. So I not it was nice. I think I was 14, around 14. You were drawn to just I was just really and 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 actually like so that's always been there, like a real sort yeah. of something. I think the, I would always have counted myself as a feminist. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, in fact, my first introduction to feminism me, yeah. was my mum worked in a women's shelter in the 80s. And I remember you weren't allowed to say, um, so there's a city in in England called Manchester and they called it Person Chester and man hole covers. We had to call them person covers. And I remember my mum telling me, like, yeah, it was like, so, and obviously that all went away for such a long time and now it's coming back. And I really remember those women being really inspiring. They were really like strong feminist women. And so that was really cool. That was impactful on you. Yeah, I I can literally remember their faces and everything. And I was probably only five or six. And then, yeah, as I became a mum, actually, it was really when it happened. Um, And I've got boys, so it wasn't about anything. It was to do with me. It was to do with realising basically when you're... Wanting to raise them feminists. Wanting to raise them feminists and also realising that everyone was telling me while I was pregnant that I had to believe in my body and had to trust my body. And I was like, all you've ever told me is that my body is terrible all my life. <laughs> and now, and I shouldn't trust it. I should improve it in all uh-huh. these different ways. Uh-huh. And now you just want me to trust it and have this like perfect, and I use feminine in quotation marks on purpose, like goddess kind of experience yeah, of birth. Yeah. And I was like, this feels weird. What are you? It's like, this yeah. is jarring. And so that was a real kind of, that kind of really propelled my thoughts about it and, and got me thinking about ways in which I'd been taught to distrust myself. Mm. And, and that was really, and then that has just come into my work and into, and I always bring feminism came before the money for sure. It was just yeah. so fascinating to me to bring a feminist lens to money. It blew my yes. mind. Yeah. Oh, I love that you're doing that. <laughs> and <laughs> I know you've been learning stuff in the FC mm. training too. Yeah. What are a few things that you've been learning that you've uh, incorporated into your business? You know, I think it's it's just increasing. So I think in one of the first modules, Naomi talks about personal awareness versus social awareness. Yeah. And I didn't, and I've been using those two words now because I was doing that anyway. Right, yeah. But also it's increasing that social awareness. So my favorite thing to do in just generally is connect thoughts. Like I love the feeling of going, oh, if that's that, what does that mean when I take it there? So I went through a phase of reading really bad bro, bro marketing type books so that I could like knowing I, I got exhausted from it and couldn't do the mental gymnastics. But I used to like to like be like, right, hang on a sec. If I remove their privilege, if I do this, if I do that, what's going on there? Like what what are they missing? And I used to quite enjoy mm-hmm. that. And I still enjoy connecting things like that. So it's been so useful to, as I go through the modules, be like, right, now bring like obviously doing the learning I need to do in that as well, which is so important and the unlearning, mm-hmm. but also then going, okay, what does this mean in terms of money and how my clients are coming to things and, mm-hmm. and how we're not even realizing 
how our stories, where our stories around what can be done and what can't be done around money come from. Because when we're like digging into the ethics and the justice side of it, it's really messy. Yeah. <laughs> and we can make presumptions of what's not ethical and it can turn out that actually if we do it a certain way, it's fine. But sometimes you have to go in like <laughs> yeah. circles to get there. <laughs> you do, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I love this conversation. We can keep going and going, but I think we will stop there. But before we go, do you have any, where can people find you? And do you have any offering going on? So you can find me at Ray underscore Dodd on Instagram. And I always say it's very important to put the underscore in because if you don't put the underscore, you get like this Republican hunter, which is interesting. Not me. (laughs) Loads of people are like, that doesn't seem to be the right. That seems a bit off brand. So that's not me. Ray underscore Dodd. So I'm mostly on Instagram. I've also got a Facebook group, which I'm really active in, which is soon to be called money makers by the time people check this it'll be called money makers and um and so if you just search that or go to raydod.co.uk you can find all the links for everything there and in terms of offerings i'm working on so let's see it depends when this goes out i'm working on a new program which is called plenty more which i am in the depths of figuring out at the moment but the whole idea is it's about taking people off that kind of money roller coaster uh, without them having to implement like yet another blueprint strategy type thing and actually pulling the the strategy in the business from in them so that they show up and do what they want to do in their business and make the money they want to make that should be out very soon and you have a podcast too right I do have a podcast yes also called soon to be called money makers currently called money making women but we're changing everything up so that it's more inclusive in its name all right well okay go to Ray's website people and check out plenty the offering and raise podcast and <laughs> everything else okay i love what you're doing i'm so glad you exist in the world <laughs> <laughs> i would like more of me to exist please yeah, so if anyone's interested yeah. in doing the same sort of thing please well, do yeah. it <laughs> if, any, if there's anybody else out there that wants to be a money coach or mentor and do something so we need yeah. more of those we do so we do yes let's do it <laughs> okay thank you so much ray for having me. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. And if you're interested in our certification training and getting certified in feminist coach theory and learning how to integrate an inclusive feminist awareness and analysis of practice into your work with your clients and your business, Please go to feministcoachacademycourses.com to learn all about our certification training and to enroll now for our next intake. We are accepting enrollments for our next intake and we would love to have you join us. Also go to our website, feministcoachacademy.com to grab more of our free resources and to listen to other podcast episodes. Make sure you are subscribed to our podcast in iTunes or Spotify and that you're following us on social media at Feminist Coach Academy on Instagram and Facebook. And if you love our podcast, we would love it if you would rate and write us a review in iTunes. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. Have a joyful rest of your day.